0: Final regular season edition of NFL Friday. Glad you guys can join us, Jackson Heil, Nick Deluca, bringing you NFL Friday here on New Year's Eve. Happy New Year to everyone! You'll probably be hearing this in the new year, so hope that 2021, 2020, Jesus Christ, I said right. 2021 is a lot better than 2020. I know. I think we're all hoping for that. But Nick, how are you, buddy? Good to see you.
1: I'm good. I'm good. And yes, to to answer what you sort of just said, I don't know that 2021 could possibly get much worse. I mean, you never want to say never, but I feel like that's a pretty low bar to clear in saying that hopefully yeah. 2021 is better than 2020. Because even though we're going to be dealing with much of what we dealt with in 2020 in 2021, it's not going to be, hopefully, for the entire year. And even if it is, we're handling it better than we did at the beginning of 2020. So I would say that it's, it's pretty safe to say
0: that we're, we're going to have a better year in 2021. I would say nothing is safe to say at this point when it comes to COVID-19. you got to be optimistic. Because, yeah, listen, I'm trying. I'm trying to be optimistic. And I, I, I'm with you there. I, I hope that 2021 is better. Well, I know it can always today. get worse,
1: but I'm just saying <laughs> I, I'm confident.
0: Listen, when you're a Jets fan like myself, you know that things can always get worse. But we'll talk about some things that may be getting better in the Jets organization. But that will be later on in the show. It appears that Adam Gase is done in New York, which was, again, expected. And I don't think anyone really thought that his job was to be continued in New York. But, again, they are the Jets. And they can pull a rabbit out of the hat every once in a while and in a negative way. But it appears that won't be the case. We got a crazy final Regular season week, week 17, always a fun one. And especially this year with the extra playoff spot being very significant for the AFC playoff picture. You have a ton of teams at 10 and 5 right now Tennessee, Miami, Baltimore, Cleveland, Indianapolis, all at 10 and 5. And pretty much all of them other than Indianapolis control their own destiny at this point. It's win and in for those four Indianapolis needs a win and a loss from someone. Indianapolis can still end up winning the AFC South at this point, but we'll get into all of that. But first, we are going to focus on the worst division in football and how it's going to finish out this week. And that is the NFC East. And it, it looks like, Nick, after week 15, I want to say, maybe no, I would say week 14, actually, um, When the 49ers took down – when the 49ers lost to Washington, excuse me, and Alex Smith was playing good football and the Giants had just lost back-to-back games, it looked like this division was going to go to Washington. But then Alex Smith gets hurt. The, The man that is, Dwayne Haskins, who is no longer a member of the Washington football team at this point, came in. Things have turned disastrous since then. And, listen, they had a great chance last week to essentially close out this division and beat the Panthers at home. And, well, the Dwayne Haskins show continued in a negative way. He's now on the streets, and the Washington football team have to fight for this NFC East division, which has three potential contenders at this point, the New York Giants, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Washington football team. Like I mentioned, Nick, before we get into it and before we get into what we think is going to happen, what have you made of what's happened over the last week in this division?
1: It's just a brutal stretch for a division that we knew was bad at the beginning and then has sort of picked up steam midway, right? The giants get a big win over Seattle and you felt like, all right, this might be their division, but then Washington beat Pittsburgh the following Monday and then was putting together playing some good football and you felt like they were good. You felt like, Dallas has been out of this thing for the longest time. And they're one of those, it's like, you're watching a movie, the character that just won't die. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's, I don't want to compare them to Thanos because they're not that powerful in, in the scope of the NFL, but like you're watching the Marvel movies and you're like, when is Thanos just going to die when are you going to get rid of them? <laughs> and that is just the the Dallas Cowboys just keep hanging around despite having such a terrible start to the season, I saw something that I thought was interesting. In 2019, Ron Rivera was fired as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers after losing to Washington and Dwayne Haskins. (laughs) And in 2020, Ron Rivera cut Dwayne Haskins after losing to the Carolina Panthers. So I just, I thought that that was funny. But that, to me, is kind of the epitome of what this division has been this year. Dwayne Haskins was a complete disaster in Washington, and it's it's kind of interesting to me that he is getting traction from other teams, maybe not this year, but into next year, about finding a new home and a new destination. Because I got to tell you, I would not be interested in bringing in Dwayne Haskins at all. And the way things ended and to just the, – the in addition to the poor play, the way he handled himself and was not a guy who was working particularly hard – To me, there's just not a lot of gray area when you're a quarterback. Like you can't be a guy who has a questionable work ethic or a questionable sort of commitment to playing the position when you're a quarterback. You can deal with some of the other personalities that are difficult or maybe this guy doesn't work as hard or isn't as dedicated as you want him to be but not at the quarterback position. So just sort of in making what we made of this week and, and Dwayne Haskins, that's what struck me about that situation. But to me, as you look forward, it's, it's going to come down to whether Alex Smith is healthy, in my opinion. Because yeah. I think Philadelphia is going to come out there and they certainly want to defend their home turf. They're a proud organization, Jim Schwartz. They're Defensive coordinator came out today, this week. It was yesterday, I believe, and said, "No, we don't want any hats and t-shirts distributed on our home field." So you know they're taking the game seriously, and they've played much better with Jalen Hurts at quarterback, and and their whole issue with Carson Wentz. But they their division probably epitomizes 2020 better than anything else, which yeah. is. Stuff being so upside down, it's so bad. But, like, at the end of the day, someone's going to win the division. So I think it all comes down to how healthy Alex Smith is. I think if he's good to go, they will do enough and make enough plays offensively to beat Philadelphia. If it's Taylor Heineke, all bets are off. And then it's like, who do you, who do you prefer in the game of not very good teams between the
0: Giants and the Cowboys? Yeah, and you mentioned the scenario that it comes down to, really. If if the Washington football team win against the Eagles, I, I believe, on Sunday night, um, they are in the playoffs, that they will win the NFC East at 7-9. and nine, And no matter what happens between Dallas and the Giants on Sunday, that is the scenario that will happen. However, if the football team loses, the winner of that game between Dallas and the Giants gets in, and you know what's interesting about this game is that you go back to Thanksgiving – and you have a scenario where you, you've essentially written off the Cowboys at this point. I, I think everyone wrote off the Cowboys after they got smoked on their home turf to the Washington football team. Everyone kind of said they're done. And, and honestly, I, I was one of those people. I, I, I thought that there was no coming back at this point in the division. You had a Giants team on that same Sunday um, following Thanksgiving that just went out and beat the Seattle Seahawks on the road without their starting quarterback. You figure, hey, they get Daniel Jones back, they're probably going to be able to get to seven or eight wins. Maybe. Obviously, the schedule was tough. but And then you had the Washington football team who ended up getting to six wins. You thought the Panthers at home would be a win, and that would essentially wrap up the Cowboys' hopes. But, man, this team looks like they found some life after everything they've been through this year, from the Dak Prescott injury to having to start Ben DiNucci at quarterback at one point to going back to Andy Dalton, who has actually been really good over these last few weeks. I, honestly, if, if my – My thing is that if I'm picking a team to win the division at this point, I I think I got to pick Dallas going into week 17 because the way this team is playing football right now, especially on the offensive side of the ball, their weapons are – all intact right now. CeeDee Lamb has been terrific, making big play after big play. Michael Gallup was awesome last week against the Eagles. And Amari Cooper's Amari Cooper. And Andy Dalton's finding ways to get them the ball. And give Kellen more credit because he's had to get creative without Dak Prescott at quarterback. And he's found a way to get his weapons, the ball, in big spots. I look at the Giants, and this team has looked dead since Daniel Jones came back from injury. And we were talking about this when the injury first happened, saying that, If the Giants aren't careful with this injury, it could wreck their season. And honestly, I think it's fair to say that it has at this point because when Jones came back against Arizona, he didn't look healthy. He had to sit out another game. Since coming back, hasn't looked good either. So honestly, if I'm picking a team right now because I'm pretty uncertain about the health of Alex Smith and if I was a betting man, I'm saying he's probably not going to play this weekend. I think I got to take the Cowboys to win the division at this point because – Dallas is playing the best football out of any team in this division right now. And like you mentioned, the Eagles have nothing to play for, but at the same time they got a lot to play for. And Jalen Hurts is going to want to show out on Sunday night. So, listen, if there's a team I'm taking right now, I think it's Dallas.
1: The trouble is when you're trying to sift through three bad teams, you kind of break it down into which team has the best sort of unit, right? Whether it's Dallas's offense, which is the best in the division, Washington's defense, which is the best in the division. And for a time, we felt like the Giants had the best defense in the division. It was clear that they weren't able to sustain that level of play that they maintained for the duration of the game against Seattle, and that we were all so impressed with. Washington played good defense at times, but their offense is so limited that it's really difficult to overcome. And this is one of the issues where you get into – Right, I think the best example or the best way to say this is the Los Angeles Rams have the best defensive football right now. But they are so inconsistent and they have to play perfect football because when you rely on being a really good defensive team, there is little margin for error, especially when they've had tough quarterback play down the stretch. And we'll see how things go for them in week 17 with a backup quarterback, John Wolford. But Washington, as good defensively as they are, are anemic on offense, and that presents trouble because you have to play perfect on defense. They didn't do that against Carolina, and they were in huge trouble because they can't move the football. Dallas at least has some saving grace in that we know their defense isn't good, but they can overcome certain mistakes because they can move the football on offense. They have the weapons. They have Andy Dalton, who I think is, is playing – dare I say like the best quarterback in that division. It's not something to hang on again, a low again. bar,
0: but, but, yeah.
1: but it's, it's probably right. I mean, up there with Alex Smith, but if you're asking me who I want right now, Alex Smith is a great story, but I want Andy Dalton playing quarterback for me right now. Mm-hmm. So it's just such a weird situation where, as we said, you write off Dallas and you're trying to figure out which to to me, the best unit right now, week 17. And this has been such a week to week division, and some of the stretches and and these teams have not been able to sustain play. And that's part of what comes along with teams that aren't very good. But I think at this point, I I have to agree with you where like the best unit in this division right now is, is Dallas's offense. And that's probably what you trust the most that in conjunction with the feeling that you're probably not going to get competent offense from Washington against Philadelphia, I would not be shocked in the slightest if, if we walk away week 17 and your NFC East champions are the Dallas Cowboys is as amazing as that is to say, I think that's where I might be leaning. Yeah.
0: It would be a fitting start to 2021. That's for sure. And with Washington also, you got to factor in Terry McLaurin didn't play in week 16. He's been out in practice too. So we don't even know the status of him and he's, if Alex Smith is their most important player, Terry McLaurin is number two right there for them on offense because they have no weapons outside of that. So there's questions there. Antonio Gibson played, but he's been limited at practice. So Washington is all sorts of injury concerns. And because of that, and because of the way Dallas is playing, like I mentioned, I think you got to roll with them Cowboys um, this weekend and we'll, we'll see what happens. Obviously a game in New York, but, um it to me this is going to be a really disappointing end to the year for the giants and because you look back a few weeks ago and I, i've said this on multiple occasions i said this before they beat the eagles at home was I, I thought they were going to end up winning this division because you look at the first half of the season yeah they were one and six at one point but this was also a team that played very competitive football against some really good football teams um they ended up getting a few big wins they beat washington twice they were able to get a big win at home too they went to seattle and beat them and then with the daniel jones injury and i know i've mentioned this on numerous occasions but i specifically wanted to talk about it with you nick because we really discussed this a lot when the injury first happened with joe judge being mr tough guy and whatnot which isn't a bad thing um because he has created a culture in new york that appears to be sustainable but but just with his mantra you just had a feeling that given the situation the Giants were in, even with a very sub-500 record, given the playoff implications, you just knew that he was probably going to rush Daniel Jones back, given the circumstances, because Joe Judge wants to win, and who doesn't? But this is also year one, and you have to factor in here that hamstring injuries are not anything to joke about. These Listen, it may not be the most serious of injuries, but... Hamstring injuries are ones that linger a long time. And I think we are really seeing lingering effects of Daniel Jones because, yes, we talked about Arizona and how he didn't look good there, but last week he didn't look good. And for a lot of the reasons that make him effective, I think he's been limited in because his hamstring still isn't healthy. He doesn't look like he's moving as well. Um, and, and that just completely limits him in what he wants to do offensively. I mean, this is the guy that recorded the fastest foot speed time Of any quarterback and that includes Lamar Jackson this year and to to me he hasn't looked the same and I think it's really ultimately cost the Giants their season because yeah you wanted to get him back in time but if you held him out Colt McCoy was able to win them a game I'm not saying he did anything to win that game specifically because the run game was so good against Seattle but you had enough there to potentially win a game um, going forward and you knew all you were going to need is probably one game and I think Jones has been tainted to the point this year, at least. I'm not saying long-term, but he's been tainted to the point this year where I just can't see the Giants winning this week because Daniel Jones isn't healthy, and I don't think this defense is going to hold up even with as good as they've been this year.
1: Well, I don't want to be doom and gloom toward the future, but this to me is also something that is concerning for Giants fans going forward because – I think the hope was that Daniel Jones, while limited in mobility, this wasn't necessarily – he's hes not Kyler Murray, where he relies on running to that degree. So you you felt like even at bringing him back at less than 100%, you're going to take away some of the running ability, but you feel like he can still operate your offense effectively enough despite some of the mobility limitations, and that has really and seriously – diminish his ability to be effective. And now that is something that can be developed, can be changed. The guy that I always love to come back to is Josh Allen, right? And that's going to be someone right now, by the way, who is going to be thrown around a ton to try and justify some of the quarterbacks who aren't playing well right now and being patient and staying with them. But Allen was, you know, running around for his life in his first year plus plus. His second year, he developed much more as a passer, and then this year, he's really taken off. But had you hampered his mobility in year one, it would have been a much different story. Now, for for Daniel Jones, it's a little bit different because he, I would argue, has more around him in year two than Allen did. I mean, Diggs, it was a big addition here for them in year three and see what's happened there. But that's the most concerning thing, that he has just not been effective at all when his mobility has been reduced. Now, again, it's year one, the pandemic, all this stuff that comes along with dealing with a new offense and learning with Jason Garrett. and You got a Freddie Kitchens game thrown in there, although Jones didn't play. That was Cole McCoy. It's just there's, there's so much that goes along with all this stuff. It's just, to me, they're not getting consistent enough play from Daniel Jones And you feel like it's something that's concerning because that's a red flag. If the guy can't run and that's why he's not effective, especially because he's not exceptional at running the football, like he's mobile, but he's not a guy who you're like, all right, I'm going to draw up the way that Arizona does with Kyler Murray, 10 design runs for Daniel Jones to really gash the, the defense. He has had long runs. I'm not trying to discredit that, but that's not what you want Daniel Jones to be. So that to me is is probably the most concerning thing. And this offense just has not been able to get anything going. I'm looking up and down here. They haven't scored more than twenty points since week ten. So I, I don't I just don't know how you win that way. And their defense has been good this year, but Dallas has some serious weapons and you're trying to figure out what is it gonna look like. You know, you weren't expecting them to go into Baltimore and win. And the Cleveland game was a struggle for them because they didn't have James Bradbury and Baker Mayfield absolutely tore them apart in their secondary. But it's just like this offense isn't playing serviceable football right now at all. The defense has been good but not great to the point where it can carry this offense. And it's just just a really difficult situation for them. The one saving grace I will throw in there, though, is that in Week 17, it's a one-game sort of playoff. Anything can happen. Washington may be starting Heineke. And at the end of the day, Dallas is still coached by Mike McCarthy. So you feel like you have the coaching advantage at least. But I don't know that I'm uber confident in the Giants here in Week 17. And it will be a disappointing end to the season when, at the end of the day, you might be going home at 5-11 and 11 when your division winner is at 6-10 and 10 or 7-9. and nine.
0: Yeah, you're right, and it's got to be frustrating, and that's what the NFC playoff picture looks like. I mean, the rest of it is interesting because you have Chicago who controls their own destiny, but they got to play Green Bay this weekend. You think that they'll probably um, bench all the starters, given that they've essentially – not essentially, they have pretty much wrapped up the number one seed. Yes, there is work to do there, but, um, again, it it would be tough to see New Orleans and Seattle overtaking – Green Bay at 12-3 and three right now. But again, still possible depending on the scenarios, but Green Bay does need to win, so we'll see. Um, LA is at 9-6. and six. They still can find a way out of the playoffs. They play Arizona this week, so that's a, that's basically right now, whoever wins that game is going to the playoffs, which is kind of an underrated topic to talk about right now, given everything else that's going on with the NFC East and the AFC, AFC playoff picture as well. But Um, Rams-Cardinals looks like it's going to determine a playoff spot at this point as well as potentially Green Bay and Chicago. So some interesting dynamic there in the NFC. Let's shift over to the AFC, though, because that's where it gets really interesting right now because you have five teams at 10-5, and like I mentioned. Tennessee, who is right now currently holding the tiebreaker over Indianapolis for first place in the AFC South. You have Indianapolis at 10-5, and but they're on the outside looking in with Miami, Baltimore, and Cleveland. Also all at 10 and five. So there's really one playoff spot that's up for grabs. I mean, four of those five teams are getting in and the seventh playoff um, seed this year is especially important. Now this year, granted that you would have two teams missing out this year. It's only one. And the opponents are interesting because Tennessee's playing at Houston. We'll see how they respond after losing to Cincinnati last week, Miami's playing Buffalo, but we don't know who's going to be starting for Buffalo quarterback. And if Josh Allen is starting How long will he play? Um, Baltimore plays Cincinnati on the road. Who's given some teams a tough go lately, including the the Steelers on Monday night football the other night. And then speaking of the Steelers, they take on Cleveland as well. Um, So so that's basically the rundown there. Indianapolis plays the Jaguars. So you you have to think that that's going to be chalked up as a win. Listen, you never know with the Jags, but they've locked up the number one seed. So they might be playing for some pride there. But again, That is what the AFC playoff picture looks like right now. There's a lot of scenarios. Every team controls their own destiny except for Indianapolis. So Indianapolis needs a win and some help to get in, and it's not much help. They just need one loss from Tennessee, Miami, Baltimore, or Cleveland to get in. But, Nick, uh, there's a lot to discuss here, but before I get into all of it, it's going to be one of the more chaotic Sundays of Week 17. I shouldn't say Sundays, but it's going to be one of the more chaotic Week 17s we've had in a long time. And listen, I don't know how people feel about adding that seventh playoff spot, but personally, I think it's great for a few reasons. One, you get more teams in, which again, may not be a great thing in some scenarios, but it also creates situations like this because listen, it may be as chaotic with only two of those teams not getting in instead of one, but this is exactly what we want on week 17, and it's quite a chaotic, chaotic way to open up 2021.
1: Yeah, it, it was kind of doubtful when this whole thing was set up that there would be a 10-win team that would be left out, but that mm-hmm. is very likely what is going to happen in the AFC playoff picture. That's in part, of course, because you have some inflation with some teams that have been really bad, particularly in the yeah. AFC at the bottom, Jacksonville going 1-15, and the Jets 2-13 and 13 right now. Cincinnati has been really bad. Houston has been really bad, all sort of in the same conference. So that has created some of the better records towards the top. But yeah, no, it's it's certainly going to be weird in trying to figure out who beat who and, and what do the tiebreakers look like. And what's always interesting to me is that the tiebreakers are different if it's a four-team tie, yeah. if it's a three-team tiebreaker, there's a two-team tiebreaker, right? So there are certain teams that need to take advantage of those tiebreakers to get in, but it's actually a little bit more simple than that for most of the teams, right? Indy just needs someone to lose. Everybody else just needs to win and you're in. So the, the message for all of these teams, whether it be Cleveland, Miami, Baltimore, let's just go out and win our game. And we'll let everything else take care of itself. In that case, we're in and we don't need any help for Indianapolis I think they're going to get help somewhere. Someone's going to lose yeah. of the four teams that are there. So they, they need to take care of business. I don't feel like they're going to lose to Jacksonville twice in the same year. I just, yeah. I don't know. I don't see that happening. So, yeah, it's certainly hectic and certainly chaotic. I will say for those who are vying for the number two seed, however, not having a first-round buy in the addition of a playoff team may or may not be my favorite thing right now. But <laughs> that's a side
0: note. I wonder why that would be the case. But anyways, yeah, a lot has changed since week one when the Jaguars took down the Colts. I mean, the Jaguars have not won a game since. And obviously the Colts are at 10-5 and now fighting for a playoff spot. But it's going to be interesting. And and there's a few games that I'm, I'm really looking out for here because there's a lot of injury concerns. And I shouldn't even say injury concerns. There's a lot of COVID concerns. with each of these teams. I mean, Miami, it was announced today that Ryan Fitzpatrick won't be able to play, and they already announced Tua was starting at quarterback, but after what happened last week with Tua getting benched, Ryan Fitzpatrick coming in, saving the day in what was a miraculous win um, against the Las Vegas Raiders on the road, which has them in the position that they are now, you would have figured that Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to play a part in this game, but he's got COVID problems. Yes, the Steelers are benching players, and so is Buffalo in all likelihood, but um, Cleveland's going to be missing a lot of their secondary. They're getting their receivers back after last week's loss to the Jets. That's where they really could have wrapped up a playoff spot, but again, here they are. They've left themselves a bit of a difficult road ahead with having to play Mason Rudolph and the Steelers, which doesn't sound very intimidating, but again, this is a Steelers defense that has been terrific all year long. And... I don't care who's that quarterback under this scenario. That That's not an easy game to win, especially against a division opponent that probably doesn't want to see the Browns in the postseason, even after they handled them pretty easily earlier in the regular season. So it, it's crazy how this virus has created so many scenarios just by adding this, the playoff spot to the equation, but also eliminating personnel in this game. And I I think honestly, the team that's going to be hampered by it the most is going to be Miami because I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick at this point is a much better quarterback than Tua Tagovailoa, and that may not be the case going forward. But I think the biggest miss right now in terms of COVID personnel is Ryan Fitzpatrick for the Dolphins, and I think that I could see that ultimately harming them because you have a Bills defense that has eaten up young quarterbacks this year, and I could see that very well happening again.
1: It is interesting. The one saving grace I will give Tua and the Dolphins is that they are very likely, even if the Bills play some starters, I mean, they'll have to. You can't split squads. Someone who starts is going to have to play. Yeah. But you're going to see a very vanilla game plan from Sean McDermott and the Bills. So one of the issues that has plagued Tua and very often many rookie quarterbacks is like, hey, what the heck's going on defensively? So reading the defense should probably be a little bit easier this week because you don't expect the Bills to go ultra deep into the bag of tricks about, hey, this is really how we want to defend Tua because it seems pretty likely that he would be their starter even into the playoffs right now because it seems like they're, they're committed to him. That's what they want to run. So if that's the way Miami's rolling, then the Bills can very easily draw them in the first round and wouldn't want to expose that. Uh, it, it's it creates an interesting dynamic, so so they do get the the pass there. I just it's it's amazing how much COVID can alter in these really big games in this really huge situation. And the same thing we're talking about Mason Rudolph too, and you know the Browns are going to be missing a couple of defensive pieces as well. With you know Denzel Ward is going to be out, presumably he he's got a COVID. I'm not sure if he tested positive or if it's a close contact, but he's on the reserve COVID list as is Malcolm Smith, one of their linebackers. We saw what it did to them when their receiving group tested positive and was out of close contact and the jets were able to handle them. So this thing does have a drastic effect. So I'm, I'm interested to see how it goes. I don't expect from the bills perspective to be in there with an ultra competitive game plan, from the Browns perspective, I feel like they'll be able to handle business enough because Mason Rudolph and what we've seen from him in the last couple of years, particularly last year, where it was like we we actually sat there with a straight face and considered what is a better option, Mason Rudolph or Duck Hodges, so I don't know how much of an advantage he can create even with what Cleveland has lost, so it it'll be it'll be interesting. I just think that, you know, it, this week more so than others, it may not have as big a, of an effect, but at <laughs> the same time, rookie quarterback in circling back to Tua here and trying to parallel them both. Tua is going to be in for a lot of pressure. This is going to be, we know this is a guy who's played the national championship game. But this could be the biggest challenge of his NFL career a win and winning in game week 17 against a team. that's very good. I will also throw out there that as much as the Bills defense and people like to say that they haven't been very good this year, they've played excellent as of late and are now up to a top 10 defense again. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see. Don't expect it to be an ultra competitive game plan, but it, it, it may, we'll see. It's, it's hard to say how much COVID will have an effect. I think maybe less than this week, less this week than other weeks, but at the same time, you never know. Mm-hmm. And. If Tua goes in there and is a little bit rattled, then you you may be like, yeah, I I really wish we had Ryan Fitzpatrick to turn to at this point because it's certainly been very reliable the
0: last couple weeks. And the question is, where where is Indianapolis going to get the help? Um, Because you would like to think that they probably are if you're a Colts fan um, because you think they're going to take care of business against Jacksonville. But, again, crazier things have happened. But it's tough for me to find it, but I I honestly think the help is going to come in Cleveland, I, I think that the Steelers are going to take down the Browns and not I, – listen, I know the Steelers team has not played well of late. There's no secret there. Um, offensively, they've looked pretty poor um, for the most part, except really for last week when after the first half when they were down 24-7 to to the Colts, they really started to make some big plays on the offensive side of the ball, particularly with Deontay Johnson. Um, but I, I think that even without Ben Roethlisberger – I think that that's where the help is going to come because honestly, I just haven't been that impressed with Cleveland going forward. And and I'll explain more why in our Pick'Em segment because we are going to have probably a lengthened Pick'Em segment this episode. It's a lengthened episode in general because there's so much to get to. And I, that's why I'm not going to get too into it right now because I want to move on to another area of New York football which needs addressing. Um, it is the New York Jets. And Craig Gardner, WFAN, reporting that Adam Gase has been told that he will not be back as the New York Jets head coach next year. We addressed this at the beginning of the show, but now let's discuss it a little more because listen, I don't think anyone was expecting any different. Um, I know as a Jets fan, just from watching them, I think this was an an ultimate outcome um, since really week two of just watching this Jets team. You could argue even week one, I thought it was a horrible hire to begin with, but, um again at seven and nine last year you thought that maybe they could build off something and they clearly didn't but ironically enough they're at a situation where they've won two games in a row they just beat two potential playoff teams back to back in the rams and the browns um but again adam Gase looking like he's done in new york and the official announcement can't come soon enough because honestly like If there's an organization that's going to get spooked off by the report of them already firing the head coach and then turning their back on it, it's the New York Jets. We we all know it. Um, I I don't think that's going to happen, but listen, we have seen a lot crazier in the past with this organization, but to get off of all the hypotheticals and, and myths that I could come up with where Adam Gase is going to be a Jet because it's not even worth discussing at this point and not worth fretting over. Thank God, man that's what I got to say as a Jeff fan, because it, it, it's been a long damn year and the icing on the cake was last week when they beat the Browns, when you're just like saying like, Hey, Jaguars are in this game at halftime. Obviously they didn't end up coming close to beating the bears, but, um, the icing on the cake was these last two weeks where you've already gotten to the point where you've just accepted losing so much and you've accepted the fact that, Hey, we're keeping Adam Gase around and, We're doing this because, listen, he's going to be gone at the end of the year, and Trevor Lawrence is going to be here. But the last two weeks, he finds a way to win. For some reason, he probably coaches the best two games of his entire career, Um, and maybe the last two games, two or three games now, coming up with Week 17 the Sunday of his entire NFL career. But um, I'm just damn happy that this era is over because it's an era that I think every Jet fan will want to forget, specifically myself, given that You had potentially the hope in Sam Darnold going forward, who looks completely deteriorated over these last few seasons, even with what he's shown the last two weeks. And this has just looked like a fan base that has been dead inside for the last three years. And hopefully the firing of Adam Gase will change that. Again, there's a lot of work to be done. But from a personnel standpoint and a front office standpoint, I think the Jets are moving in the right direction Um, and and that's besides the Gase firing. But I I think this is an organization that has a bright future with Joe Douglas at the helm, tons of cap space, tons of draft picks going forward. The most important thing they do is not the next quarterback. It's the next head coach because we've seen them try to do the quarterback with a terrible head coach with two terrible head coaches that is. And it hasn't worked out. And if, if we've learned anything, Over these last few years as Jets fans, it's that the the head coach is the most important position in football. Um, Maybe you could argue the quarterback and that's definitely an, an argument there, but having a good head coach is as important as anything in football and the Jets haven't had that in a long time and this has to be the one that they get right.
1: The word that comes to mind for me is disappointing because I got to tell you, I feel like Adam Gates deserve, with the way that they've been playing and they've been playing hard, man, the last two weeks and the you're wins a of our playoff team. teams. And I just feel like he might deserve another shot. No, nah, I'm just kidding. I know. <laughs> I know. I just had to say it. Yeah, no, it it can't come soon enough if you're a Jets fan because this has been a complete disaster. And it, the biggest thing is, is that you come in there and you're brought in to develop the young quarterback and you don't get that done. Sam Darnold looks like, Mm -hmm. uh, I think maybe what, what I found to be an interesting comparison actually was, was sort of Alex Smith before Jim Harbaugh got there, right? The same sort of guy who was really labeled a bust and could potentially resurrect his career with a new head coach or somebody in there who really knows what he's doing. But, yeah, Sam Darnold is the biggest disappointment and the, the biggest evidence of the failure that Adam Gase has been as the head coach of the New York Jets. And you can look to, OK, well, they're 2-13 and 13 or that they haven't played well in situations, haven't been able to beat teams in their division. But it all comes back to the quarterback. And you said at the end of what you were what we're just alluding to, which I found a little interesting, saying that the head coach is the most important position on a football team. And you might be right. You might be wrong. I feel like it's a chicken or the egg, right? So maybe if, if Adam Gase comes in and coaches a Peyton Manning or a guy who is well established and a veteran, he could have success and figure things out because he's not in charge of developing that quarterback. But when it's a young quarterback, yeah, a head coach or someone who's in there to develop him is absolutely essential. it's amazing that we're using the Buffalo Bills as the model now, right? But in the same way, Brian Dayball has done an absolutely outstanding job of developing Josh Allen, and Sean McDermott, their head coach, has done an excellent job of allowing Brian Dayball to develop his quarterback. And and it's just the growth and the things that we have seen from him and just being able to continually get better. Not something we've seen from Darnold at all. That is supremely disappointing when you take a dude third overall. You don't want to be sitting there two years later, three years later, saying, man, I hope we lose this game so we get the number one pick so we can draft this guy who's a quarterback. That's not the position you want to be in as good as Trevor Lawrence is. And I don't know that people are necessarily making the argument that Sam Darnold is washed, can't play, I hear from a lot of Jets fans now understanding that they aren't getting Trevor Lawrence. Maybe we should give Darnold another shot. It has been my inclination to say his time is done, that you got to move on because I just don't know that he can be successful in New York anymore. I think that that ship has sailed. But that, to me, is the biggest unequivocal failure of Adam Gase. It's not about anything else. Like, I don't know that these things can happen because they're kind of mutually exclusive, but if Sam Darnold was coming in there and lighting things up, if they were the Dallas Cowboys right now, right, or or the Dallas Cowboys with Dak Prescott, if if Sam Darnold's going out there throwing for 500 yards a game and their defense stinks and that's why they're 2-13, and 13, I think a lot of fans might live with that or say, hey, maybe we could give Gase another shot and, and maybe bring in a different different defensive coordinator or try to massage something somewhere, but when your quarterback doesn't develop and that's the reason you're hired, you're not going to get much leeway. And that is in addition to all the other problems that have been. The one thing I will give Adam Gase credit for before he is on his way out the door and we don't have to talk about him ever again, Jeez. is that he has held on to that locker room and gotten them to play better than I ever thought he could. Right. When you start owning thirteen. And the fan base is cheering for you to lose. And all the stuff that goes with it, I think Adam Gase, as, as funny as this might sound, has gotten a little bit of a bad rep with the New York media. Because they love to say that he is clueless, that he has lost the locker room, that nobody wants to play for him, whatever. But when you win those two games, that's not true. So, I mean, he's not done a good job. And again, I, I just went on for five minutes about how he hasn't done a good job with what he was brought in to do. But I will give him some credit in that the team did not quit on him, that they kept playing. They kept playing hard, and he was able to lead them to wins. Now, they looked unprepared many a time during the season, way too many times this season. They were out-coached too many times this season, in addition to being talent deficient. But a credit to him at the end of things, and I think he has saved himself a position in the NFL. I don't think he'll ever be a head coach again. But I think now teams, seeing how he coached them the last two, three weeks can say, all right, this is a guy who might be able to add something to my organization as a quarterback's coach, as an offensive coordinator, as something along that line
0: because of what they have done the last couple of weeks. I think it's a very fair observation of Adam Gaysnick. I really do, because it's something that no Jets fans will even think to consider because it's not something I thought to consider even, even until you just said it moments ago because it, we've been so fed up with Adam Gase over the last two years. Um, just with starting 1-7 a year ago with the arguably one of the easiest schedules in the entire NFL to how, to how Sam Darnold has looked, to the, the manner in which they've been beaten this year. You can talk all you want about the record. I think the biggest indictment on Adam Gase from this season is just the manner in which they've been just assaulted on the football field every week um, because there weren't many close games for a large portion of this season. It took really till till week 10, it felt like, for this team to play a close game. Um, and, and that's the biggest indictment on Adam Gates because this team for a while wasn't competitive. But it, it is fair, um, I, I think, from your perspective, to say that this is a guy who may have saved himself a job in the NFL going forward. And there's already been talks about Adam Gates potentially joining Bill Belichick's staff which is a scary enough proposition in itself um, to happen. Because if I have to be beaten by Adam Gase, let alone being with him in New England, but having to get beaten by Adam Gase will crush all Jets fans, including myself. Um, And and it shouldn't matter, but it it will. And it'll hurt even more, especially if, if he finds success with the New England Patriots. But that's another topic. And before I wrap this up, I want to mention something that's really important, I think, for the Jets going forward, because you brought up the discussion that I mentioned about the head coach in position being the most important um, position in sports. And and like I said, that is up for debate. But I, I think a lot of what the Jets do going forward, particularly at the quarterback position with Sam Darnold, is going to be dependent on who's the next head coach. And I think the Jets have a lot to learn from this interview process with these guys, because if I'm the Jets, I think it has to be an offensive guy um, as the next head coach, because listen, I'm not saying it's impossible to win with a defensive head coach, but just look around the league. A lot of the teams that are having success right now are with very high level offensive coaches. And listen, there are exceptions, obviously, Buffalo being one of them. Um But again, you have a situation where this organization needs a franchise quarterback. And to figure out whether Sam Darnold is the guy or not. They're not, they don't really have time to do that. They have essentially run out of time now after week 17 happens to figure out if Sam Darnold is the guy going forward. In the interview process, are you going to interview guys like hopefully you would think that they would interview young guys who are up and coming offensive minds who are going where the game is going. Eric Bienemi, Arthur Smith, Joe Brady's a guy who comes to mind for me. In talking to all of these guys. I think there's a lot to learn from what they think about Sam Darnold too. Because Joe Douglas, yeah, I, I trust Joe Douglas as a football mind, but I think he's in a tough spot right now because I don't think anyone has been really able to decipher from inside this organization how much is on Sam Darnold, how much is on Adam Gates for what has happened in this third year with him. And I, I think getting a lot of outside perspectives on from those type of guys saying, hey, what do you think of Sam Darnold? What do you think? he is going to be in the future. I think it's going to have it not maybe not going to have, but I think it should have a significant impact on what this organization thinks of Sam Donald going forward. because yes, they have all the analytics in the world. They have what they think internally. I think there's a lot of outside opinions that could be gained from this interview process and whoever they hire should have a real influence on the direction. This organization takes with number two pick because listen, there are some options there. Justin Fields being one of them. He hasn't played well lately. Um, But he's certainly an option number two. I'm a big fan of the Zach Wilson kid from BYU. I'm a member of his fan club. I think that he's a guy that's going to have a very successful career, depending obviously on where he ends up. But I, I think he's a guy who can have a lot of success. So, But my point in all this is that I, I think the Jets have a lot to learn from this interview process, not only about the direction they want to go in, but they have a lot to learn about themselves and about their quarterback right now. And getting opinions from guys like Joe Brady and from Arthur Smith and Eric Biennami, I think it should be important. And I think it should have a lot of a role in where this organization takes at that quarterback position.
1: I think it's really interesting that you brought that up because it's not just, oh, getting the opinion of the guy who's going to come in to be the head coach, but also what does everyone who interviews for the job think of Sam Darnold to get sort of a wider understanding of, of what and how the Jets should approach things. My overarching thing is if you have to ask the question repeatedly, he's probably not your guy. Like, I don't want to yeah. sit there and say this is all Sam Darnold's fault. Cause it's not like I have been saying that I think he can go somewhere else. And it's a, an opinion held by a lot of people and be somewhat successful. But at the same time, I think it's important to understand that he is he is someone who has some limitations right like he mm-hmm. He is sure. not someone who can overcome that difficult coaching and bad situation and it 's something that a lot of quarterbacks can 't but when you look at him up and down just physically and the arm talent and the accuracy and the things that he does. None of it's like jump off the page spectacular. He's solid in a lot of areas, but he is not someone that does something so well that he's able to overcome the bad coaching and Adam Gase in the situation put around him. Now, again, if you look at some of the other quarterbacks from his class that have had success just sort of for a minute and and you go into – Um, you know, Allen, right? He's got the exceptional mobility and an exceptional arm, and he's fantastic Mm -hmm. the same way with a guy like Mahomes. And it's an unfair comparison because those guys are the elite of the elite. But even a Lamar Jackson, right, it's just the elite athleticism that when you've got less around you, you can still make it work. So that's where where Darnold has struggled, and I think they're just going to probably at some point need to move on because I just don't see at this point he's a guy that you win a Super Mm -hmm. Bowl with. He yeah. he might be a guy like a like an Alex Smith, like a Tyrod Taylor that can take you to the playoffs, but he's always going to be someone with just <laughs> some of those limitations that is a solid guy, but is never going to be what you really want in a franchise quarterback. So that that is what I see in looking at him from the outside looking in. At the same time, it's it's going to be a huge decision for the the head coach coming in. And at some point it's also not necessarily about whether you like Darnold or not insofar as maybe how you approach things next year, but who are you bringing in, right? Are you using the, do you like one of the quarterbacks who are in the draft and that's who you're going to go after because getting rid of Darnold for the sake of just getting rid of him doesn't make your football team better. So if you feel like you want to figure out what you have in Darnold, he can be a bridge guy for the year, in two years, pick up his fifth year option, whatever it might be. You can always approach it that way as well. The thing that I always come back to, though, is that in looking at at that Jets vacancy, I don't know who wants to coach the Jets right now. Like, I know there are only 32 jobs, and you want to go in there, and you never know when those opportunities are going to come again. But at the same time, you think about how many people have been head coaches. How many people have been head coaches twice with no success at your first stop? That answer is zero. And it's hard for me to, to walk into this Jets job right now and feel like, oh my gosh, I'm in a great position to turn it around. Not only because the Jets are in such a difficult spot. Yes, you feel like they have some pieces toward the future and the draft capital and, and some of the the calf space. But you got to play Josh Allen twice a year. You're going to have to play the Dolphins, who look pretty darn good right now. And you figure two is going to get better. If not, they still have a really darn good team and are a well-run organization. And the other team that isn't very good in your division right now is run by who is the consensus greatest coach in in football history. So it's just a difficult place to be when you look at the Jets. Like, even the Chargers have a difficult division in looking at their vacancy. Like, Mahomes is going to be difficult to go toe-to-toe with. But when you feel like you have a great team and roster around you, okay, I can compete with Justin Herbert. We might not win the division, but we're going to be really good. The Jets are kind of oh, over rebuilding and in a difficult division. If I'm Eric the Enemy, I'm looking elsewhere. I, I just got to say, if I'm you know the Enemy, <laughs> pick who you want. I know that someone's going to take it. I just and maybe I'm overblown in, in sort of analyzing this. I just don't know that they're going to be able to attract this top flight candidate because this is a really difficult situation to be in. I, I was ready to move on to pick slide
0: on Darnold. I was ready to move on to Pickham, but you brought up a point that I can't ignore right now. Um, And listen, I'll admit that I may be clouded by a little bias here as a Jets fan. And um, I may be wrong here, but I I think that this is a desirable job right now for a few reasons. And listen, there are reasons that you mentioned that can't be discounted. I think that being in the AFC and having to play Josh Allen twice a year for the next 10 years foreseeable, probably longer is something that's going to be difficult. You have an up-and-coming Dolphins team. You figure the Patriots will figure out that—that That is what it is at this point. But to me, I look at this Jets roster right now, and yes, there are a lot of holes to fill. But at the same time, as a head coach, I think a lot for what you want to do is based on, hey, I want to build it myself. And listen. That may not be true with a lot of guys. A lot of guys may want to come into a really great situation. Who wouldn't want to come in? No, you're right, though, that
1: coaches want to build it up. I agree with you there. Mm -hmm.
0: And the Jets is the ultimate build-it-yourself situation because, one, you have the resources to do it. They have the most cast space in the NFL. They have the number two pick in the draft this year. They have other first-round picks over the next few years as well. And you have a core, especially on defense, where, I mean, I would, or I would argue that there are very few defensive fronts I'd rather have going forward than what the Jets are going to have, specifically with Quinn and Williams and John Franklin Myers. If they had an edge rusher with all that cap space, who knows what this front seven can look like over the next few years. And again, there are holes that need to be filled, and lots of them. But you have Joe Douglas, who gets to make his first head coaching hire, and everything I've seen from Joe Douglas other than the way he's handled Adam Gase. And again, a lot of that I don't think is his fault because he was brought into this situation. Everything I've seen from Joe Douglas in that first draft class has been excellent so far. I think this is a desirable situation. And I think you bring up the Darnold point, which is very interesting because you have to make the decision on Sam Darnold. But I think that's a good spot to be in personally as a head coach because you can decide, hey, I got the number two pick in the draft right now. I I can start fresh here. And honestly, if they start fresh, you'd have to think that if they're going to hire a Joe Brady and Eric B enemy, a part, part of this job is going to be that you're going to have some wiggle room and you're going to have a few years, at least guaranteed with a new quarterback to figure this out. And listen, I I shouldn't say that's necessarily going to be the case because the Johnsons are probably the two most incompetent human beings in the NFL when it comes to ownership. But I think there is a lot to desire about this job. Now, I'm not going to say that this is a more desirable job than what's out there in L.A. with the Chargers because they have the quarterback and they have talent around them. But I think to say that this is an undesirable job at this point, I don't know if I can agree with that. I'm not necessarily saying you're saying that, but I think that there is a lot to desire about being the next New York Jets head coach because you're going to be able to build it yourself with a new GM in this process and you're going to be able to pick where you want to start new. So I, I think that there is a lot to desire with this job.
1: They're only 32, so they're always desirable. The last thing I'll say on this, though, is I can get a do-it-yourself job in Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence and a much easier division.
0: Fair. And that that is another argument to it. there There may very well be more desirable jobs here, but... Um, again, that, that is an argument for a different day. We've gone on a long time um, talking about various things in Week 17, and rightfully so because it is busy. But it is time for the All-Famed of Famed Pick'em segment right now. And let's get right into it because Week 17, there's a lot to determine when it comes to what this playoff picture is going to look like. And we'll start with two teams we've talked about a lot. Dolphins and Bills at Orchard Park. Bills opening at minus three, there i'm taking
1: the bills this is going to be a close game and i'm not sure exactly how it's going to work out i think josh allen's going to play some of the game not all of it and i don't know i just have a good feeling about the bills they're rolling right now even if matt barkley's got to play a little bit in the second half defense is balling Tua's is a little shaky the last few weeks
0: is he ready to meet the challenge i'm going to take the bills taking the Dolphins just because I'm not sure how long Josh Allen's going to be playing. If we learned anything from last year, I think he's going to get a series or two, but I think Sean McDermott wants to rest a lot of his guys, and listen, I think they're good enough to beat the Dolphins, even with some of those guys, even with Matt Barkley at the helm, but um, I think Hungry Dogs run faster in this scenario, and I'm going to take the Dolphins just because they have something to play for in this case. Another game that's going to decide a playoff outcome, Ravens and Bengals in Cincinnati Bengals playing really well lately but so is Baltimore Nick.
1: yeah you can't get me to pick against Baltimore right now credit to Cincinnati and what they've done down the stretch another guy Zach Taylor who was potentially on the hot seat with the quarterback getting injured yeah. they have really shown up and played for him but Baltimore is on a roll right now they're a team that no one wants to see in the playoffs those teams have to get to the playoffs first I like Baltimore to take care of business and punch their ticket to the postseason
0: I'm with you. I like the Ravens. Lamar Jackson has played a lot better in the second half of the season, in my eyes. And it comes with the defense as well, which has gotten healthy. And the secondary looks a lot better. So I'm going to go with the Ravens, the 13-point spread. I think they cover that, honestly, pretty easily with a lot to play for. But, again, the Bengals have been playing well lately, so we'll see what happens there. Another big game this weekend. Steelers and Browns in Cleveland. Browns would have had the playoffs wrapped up last week, essentially, if they beat the Jets, but um, they've forced themselves into a tough scenario here. Minus nine, and it's interesting, Steelers, it makes a off at quarterback.
1: I'm going to take the dog pound here, and I like what they've been doing recently. I know that the Jets game was as bad as it gets, but when you're losing all of your receivers and... It was just really weird from a game plan standpoint to see them throw as much as they did. I think they're going to get back to their roots and really try and emphasize running the football. I don't know how long Pittsburgh is going to play their defensive starters. Even if they do leave them in there, that's the one place that Pittsburgh on defense has been particularly vulnerable is in the run game. So I think Cleveland can get out, run the football, make enough plays. They're missing a few defensive starters, as we mentioned earlier on in the pod, but I don't think it's going to matter with Mason Rudolph. This is a win and end game. The Browns need to have it. They haven't been there in 17
0: years. I think this is the year the Browns are into the playoffs. I mentioned I was going to pick the Steelers earlier, and I am. I think this is going to be a really interesting spot to watch how Kevin Stefanski game plans this game because you look at the first matchup between both these teams, it was a blowout in Pittsburgh's favor, and a lot of that was because The Steelers stopped the run so well, and, well, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were kind of left in the dust in that game. Um, I like the Steelers again. I think that even with Cleveland getting a lot of their receivers back, I think they're going to pay for it on defense with what has happened to their secondary. And I think Denzel Ward is a much bigger loss than people are going to make it out to be, even with um, the Steelers probably resting some guys, and I, I think the two seed is important. And even though it may not be Big Ben, I think a lot of their other guys are going to be playing. And for that reason, I'm going to take Pittsburgh, even despite the absence of Ben Roethlisberger. Game that doesn't have a whole lot of weight, actually no weight at all. Vikings and Lions. Vikings at six and nine. Lions at five and ten. Minnesota minus seven to open up. Oh. Uh... This is a tough one. I mean, it's
1: really like who wants to go out there and play. I feel like Minnesota is the better team and and Detroit was awful last week. I know that they lost their head coach and all that COVID stuff. I feel like Minnesota at least has their head screwed on the right way. So I'll go with Minnesota.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with Minnesota, too. I mean, the, the running game has been terrific. We'll see if Dalvin Cook plays. His father passed away um, this past week, so rest in peace to him and prayers out to him and his family. But, um, yeah, I'm going to go with you. I'm, I'm going to take the Vikings to close out the year. And What's a disappointing year and a potential last game for Kirk Cousins in Minnesota, so we'll see if the direction they take going forward. Jets and Packs in Foxborough. A game, again, not holding a lot of weight at all. Jets at 2-13, and 13, looking... To close the season on a three-game
1: win streak. I told everyone that I would not pick the Jets until they proved to me that they could win. They have proved to me that they, <laughs> they could win. I am picking the Jets to beat the Patriots
0: in Week 17. It'll be fun, honestly, to watch a game for the Jets that you can actually root for them to win because even after last week, um, you figured that there was still maybe an outside chance of Trevor Lawrence if the Jags were able to win a game, but... The number two pick is wrapped up and confirmed, and I want to see these guys win a game. I want to see some of the young guys come out and play well, which they have, and I'm going to be with you here. I'm going to take the Jets, which is crazy to think if we were talking about this 10 weeks ago, but we're taking the Jets in week 17, and this may be the first ever time on this podcast and the last ever time on this podcast that we have a consensus pick for the New York Jets to win a football game, let alone against Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. One of those hold-the-phone moments. (laughs) Certainly is. And speaking of New York football, this is a big one. Giants and Cowboys at MetLife. Winner has a chance to play in the playoffs, depending on what happens with the Washington football team. Dallas at minus 2.5. We
1: discussed this at the beginning of the pod. This is so tough because I feel like the Giants are much better coached. I just feel like the Cowboys are, are playing better football right now and have a better offense don't know what you're going to get out of Daniel Jones the Giants have lost three in a row I, I'm just I'm going to take Dallas here there's no good answer but I feel like we very well might be looking at Dallas as division champions and I think they're going to get the
0: win even on the road and beat the Giants twice this year I'm with that I don't think this game is close either to be honest I think the Giants over the last few weeks have looked like a defeated football team to be quite honest with you and um, if Daniel Jones is playing like he was a few weeks ago, maybe this is a different conversation for me. But um, right now, with the way he's playing, I don't think the Giants have a chance in this game, which is crazy to say about a team playing against Andy, Dolph, Andy Dalton excuse me, and the Dallas Cowboys. But I'm with you. I think the Cowboys get to 7-9, and nine, close out the year strong, and have a chance for the NFC's title, depending on what happens in Philadelphia. But more on that later. Falcons and Bucks, two teams with not a whole lot to play for. Falcons are out. Bucks are confirmed in and at minus seven to open up. There's no chance that Tom
1: Brady plays in this game. They're all set, locked up where they're going. They'll be playing the winner of the NFC East. So good luck to them in a couple of weeks. Tom Brady, enjoy your week off. Uh, this is going to be, I'll give it to the Falcons because I feel like they at
0: least have something to play for because they just want to go out and play well you know what? Give me Blaine Gabbert just for the fun of it, honestly. Got, got to play a little devil's advocate here. And he played well in relief. Last, was it last week against the Lions? I believe, yeah, it was last week when Tampa Bay went up a million to nothing in the first half. And Blaine Gabbert came in relief, threw for two touchdowns. It was terrific. So um, why not give the man from Mizzou a little shot here? I'll take the Bucks to get to 11-5. Big game out in the NFC North. Packers. And Bears, Packers are looking to wrap up the top seed in the NFC. Bears at eight and seven win and they're in this one at Soldier Field. Green Bay at minus five and a half.
1: Green Bay does have something to play for in this game, and that's significant. It's not just oh Do we want the number two or the number three seed? No, the number one seed is a big deal because then you get your first round bye. Aaron Rodgers is going to play in this game. I think he's going to play the whole game, and I think the Packers are going to win pretty handily. So give me Green Bay on the road.
0: I'm with you. I think Green Bay comes out on top in this one. Crazy to think that the Bears control their own destiny after everything that has happened. But even if the Packers didn't have to play for something, I think I would still take Green Bay given – The nature of it being a rivalry game and just the nature that it's the Bears and I don't see the Packers and Matt LaFleur losing to the Bears under any circumstances that was the first of our 425 games Raiders and Broncos Raiders at 7-8 looking to get to 500 Broncos playing some better football and hosting at mile high they're two and a half point dogs in this one I'll take
1: Denver. I feel like they're more motivated with a younger team and a young quarterback with something to prove. Again, nothing on the line in this game, so I'll take Denver as the more motivated group.
0: I'm with you on this one. I think Vegas is in quite a mental rut after what happened against Miami last weekend to officially eliminate them from the playoffs. So I'm going to go with the Broncos, who've been playing some better football. Jaguars and Colts only went for the Jags this year, coming in week one against Indianapolis this one in Indianapolis, and the Colts are two touchdown favorites.
1: I'd love to look it up to see if there is a team that has ever gone 2-14 and 14 and beaten the same team twice. I don't think that's the case, and I don't think it's going to be the case here. Hard to believe that Jacksonville is going to lose 15 straight to close it out, but they're not beating Indianapolis twice, so give me the Colts.
0: An underratedly terrible terrible football team are the Jacksonville Jaguars, and it's hard to say that with a 1-15 team, but Um, This team does not get enough credit for outwilling the Jets for this number one pick, and it it just tells you how bad they are. I'm going with the Colts. Obviously, they have a lot to play for. They need to win some help to get to the postseason, so I'll take Indianapolis. Chargers and Chiefs at Arrowhead, 425 start. Chargers, three-and-a-half-point favorites. Patrick Mahomes and the whole crew probably not playing for Kansas City.
1: Yeah, it's going to be Chad Henney this week for Kansas City. So, again, Justin Herbert, their full complement of weapons. More motivation, everything that you can think of. It's going to be the Los Angeles Chargers over the Chiefs this week, and no one's going to care at all.
0: Yeah, and and that's the big thing. No one's going to care. I'll I'll take the Chargers. Keenan Allen almost cost me my fantasy season, which I ended up winning, by the way. Well, congratulations. Yeah, the, our FUV League, which has spanned the last few years with the same people from kids two years older than, two, three years older than myself at this point. But um, shout out to Evan Janikin, who had Alvin Kamara go for 56 points against me and still found a way to lose. Um, thank you, Devontae Adams. But um, yeah, I'm going to take the Chargers to beat the Chiefs in this one. Chiefs will go to 14-2 and with the first round by in the postseason. Big one in the NFC West Cardinals and Rams winner likely goes to the playoffs. Arizona three point favorites
1: Hard to not take Arizona in this situation because the indications are that Kyler Murray is going to be healthy enough to play. Jared Goff certainly will not be with a broken thumb. So it'll be John Wolford who is the career leader in AAF passing touchdowns. I don't know what that gets you in starting week 17 winning in NFL games. I don't think it gets you a win, so give me the Arizona Cardinals to take care of business. They'll punch their ticket. The Rams will still get in, though, with some help, as we picked with the Bears as well.
0: Yeah, I I like the Cardinals, and I I think it's better that he's playing over Jared Goff for the Rams' sake at this point, because Goff might be the biggest fraud in the history of the NFL, finding a way to lose to the winless New York Jets at the time. But, yeah, I'm going to go with the Cardinals in this one. I hope to all God that the Bears win and the Rams find a way to get eliminated from the playoffs because they they deserve it in in all honesty after what's happened this year but i'm gonna go with the cardinals and i think both these teams do get into the postseason uh seahawks and 49ers seahawks real outside chance of getting the number one seed in the nfc but they got to go on the road to glendale to beat the six and nine 49ers seahawks six and a half point favorites in this one
1: This is a tough one because it's hard to see where the motivations will be, right? I I think that Seattle is going to play Russell Wilson and go out there and approach it. It is a long shot for them to get the number one seed, which is always something that I feel like teams need to be careful about because it's like, do you really have a shot? But if I understand it correctly, if they get a win for New Orleans... And they also are able to get a Green Bay loss in a three-way tie. They do have a number one seed, so it's not necessarily
0: impossible. I'll take Seattle to take care of business. Yeah, I'll keep it simple. I'll go with Seattle. Um, I'd like the 49 run game recently, but I don't think it's going to be enough in this one to take down Seattle. I think they go to 12-4 and four and cruise into the postseason. But, again, um, not with that number one seed. And you mentioned the Saints. They're on the road in Carolina. Um, Saints at 11-4, and four, Panthers at 5-10, and 10, New Orleans getting 6.5 in this one.
1: Yeah, the Saints need this one. Michael Thomas, not sure if he's going to be able to come back and play and certainly want to make sure he's ready to go for the postseason. Drew Brees will be better and, and more healthy, and Alvin Kamara, as we saw last week, was absolutely outstanding. The Saints are going to take care of this one. It's been actually a pretty decent season for Carolina, although they have not played well at spots encouraging for the future, but right now it's the Saints, and I think they'll be in the right
0: frame of mind to go out there and win this one this week. Agreed. Um, I think the Saints get to 12-4 and 4 here. I don't think this is much of a game, to be honest. I think the Panthers have the right foundation going forward, and I think the biggest question for them, especially on offense, is – Will they be able to hold on to Joe Brady this offseason? Um, Because even with just one year of NFL experience, he's done terrific. I mean, going back from coming from LSU, he was awesome in that offense. And he's made this offense look pretty damn good this year. But I do think the Saints take this one on the road. Last 425 game, a big one as well. Titans and Texans, this one down in Houston. This has the potential to be one of the more interesting games of the week, in my opinion. Texans, 7.5-point dogs at home to the currently AFC South leading Titans.
1: I agree that it can be interesting because Tennessee certainly has holes defensively and you're trying to figure out, can Deshaun Watson and their of receivers or lack thereof take advantage? I just don't think that Houston's defense is good enough to win them this game. And I know that Deshaun Watson has been very good this season and has played great at times. I just don't know that there's enough of an effort from Houston's defense to make it realistic. So I'll take the Titans a lot on the line for them. And I think they get
0: it done. I think it's a shootout. um, And and I'm actually going to take the Texans in this one. I I think the Colts are going to end up winning AFC South. This is my upset pick of the week. And I picked the Texans way too much this year, but Um, After watching J.J. Watt's press conference last week, I I think this team is, even at their record of 4-11, is going to have a lot of motivation to come out and take care of business at home and close out the season strong and prevent the Titans from winning this division and potentially getting into the playoffs at this rate. So we'll see what happens there. But again, that brings us into Sunday night. Washington and Philadelphia, you know the circumstances. Football team wins there in their NFC's champions and the four-seed In the NFC East, if they lose, they are out. And the winner of the Giants-Cowboys game wins the NFC East. Washington opening up at minus two. This is a tough game to pick.
1: I don't know if I'm ever allowed to make a conditional pick on this program. <laughs> you no, know, I was thinking the same thing before. But you if Alex Smith plays, I would definitely take Washington. I just feel like it's so hard to figure out. And with his history, I'm just kind of leaning toward he's probably not going to play. It's just kind of the way I feel. So in reading the tealies, it's going to be a Taylor Heineke, and then I pick the Eagles. Certainly a different situation. If Alex Smith is able to play, I just. I'm not confident in it, so I'm going to take Philadelphia, and it's going to be Dallas based on my picks. Thank you. oh my gosh, Dallas is going to be in the playoffs. They're going to
0: be in. Listen, I'm with you there. Um, I, I, my line of thinking is the same as yours. I think if Alex Smith plays, this team has a very good chance of being Philadelphia. T- to me, I think that this may be Doug Peterson's last game in Philadelphia, and. I don't know if the players want to play for him, but I think there is going to be a lot of motivation for Philadelphia to win this game at home and protect their home turf with all the chaos that they've had this year with Carson Wentz being a disaster to Jalen Hurts coming into all the injuries they've had on defense. I think Philadelphia takes care of it either way, even if Alex Smith is healthy because... I'm worried about watching this team without Terry McLaurin. I think there's a good chance he's not playing in week 17, even with how much I'm sure he wants to be out there in this scenario. So I'm with you. I'm picking the Eagles and I'm picking the Cowboys to win this division as a whole. And Nick, that wraps up probably the longest episode of NFL Friday we've had in a long time, but we got to talk about a lot. Um, we got some really good games upcoming this weekend, and should be fun to watch unfold. But happy New Year to you, and hope 2021 treats you
1: well. For sure, and happy New Year to you. I'm confident that it will. And this was a lot of fun. We got we covered a lot of bases yeah. here, so always a good time with you, man.
0: Absolutely, and once again for Mick DeLuca, our producer, Mike Facina, Jackson Heil, giving you Week 17 of NFL Friday. Next time we meet on this show. It's gonna be postseason time, and we're excited for that. And we're excited to see who is in the postseason. Once again, NFL Friday, production of WFTV Sports. Thanks for listening. Happy New Year, guys.